Listen then to the word of God. And they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they attempted to go into uh, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and the vision appeared to Paul, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troash, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis. Uh, from there to Philippi, where it, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. We remembered in this, we remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. As we were going to the place of prayer where we met, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out from her. And it came out that very hour. And when her owners saw that their their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off, saying, uh, tore their garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we come into your presence and we have heard your word And we ask that you would be with us as we work through this passage and and continue to hear your word in in the sermon. We pray that you would uh, be with me and just guide me and give me uh, the words to say. We pray that you would show us uh, where this passage applies to each one of us. Maybe we need to be encouraged. Maybe we need to be uh, corrected or or instructed. Uh, Lord, wherever we are, I pray that your spirit uh, would meet us through the power of of the word. Uh, In your name we pray. Amen. 
want to ask you this morning to think about uh, your own life experiences a little bit and and ask yourself, have you ever been in a spot uh, where the Lord was was closing some opportunities and, and you just did not know where the Lord was leading? Uh, maybe you lost a job or, or were laid off. And, and in that moment, maybe there was even some fear. Maybe there was uh, wonder as to, to what God was doing or or why he would allow this to happen. Uh, maybe a loved one goes through a, a serious crisis, a health crisis, a child or a parent maybe uh, in a car accident or something uh, very unexpected. And you wonder to yourself, what is the Lord doing in these circumstances? Maybe you even say, you know, I know God is in control, but I just don't understand why God is allowing this to happen. And maybe you've even poured out your heart in prayer and, and prayed for a breakthrough or prayed for, for a change or asked God just to do something and you, you felt for a period of time that you are, are banging your head against the wall going, why isn't God opening that door? Why am I not sensing or seeing God's leading? Why does, does every turn I try to take, God seems to be just shutting it down and, and putting the brakes on? We're in a passage of Scripture this morning that helps us answer some of those questions. It helps us understand that, that we're not alone in going through that. As you see Paul and Silas and those with them going through and, and, and being forbidden to do some ministry in certain areas that they had a, a desire and plan. And then we see the call of God. Our main point this morning is this. When God calls you into difficult tasks, trust that He will equip you. We're talking about how God calls us and, and leads us and uses His circumstances and even what we call His hand of providence, His, His guiding direction of circumstances to lead you and show you where He is calling you and what He is doing in your life and even opening up opportunities for you. When God calls you into difficult tasks or even when God seems to be closing doors, trust that God will equip you. And trust that God has a plan and a purpose in, in what He's doing. The scary thing is that oftentimes we don't understand it. Oftentimes we want to see the map and know where God is leading. And oftentimes God challenges us, walk with me day by day and I will equip you and I will show you where I am calling you. I want to just put up a map on the next slide for just a second um, if, if you could change that there, you can kind of see uh, that's the modern day Turkey area. You can see where Bithynia is and how they would have wanted to turn to the north and head up into that region. You can also see where my Messiah is and they they were forbidden from teaching there. And so they uh, went to Troas and they got on a boat and went over to ne- Neapolis and and uh, across there. That is. Uh, the northern section there is Macedonia, which, of course, goes south in, into Greek and Greece. And this is why we call it uh, the Macedonian call. So if you are a picture kind of person, there's a, a map you can stick in your head. And you can see how God is going to be directing them. And Paul will eventually, on the third missionary journey, get to Rome. But God directs them in a specific way. He calls them into a specific region. And you can imagine Paul wandering around in some of that region and, and constantly having the door closed. Okay, I want to go to Bithynia. And God, God, through either circumstances or direction, saying, no, you're not going there. And then finally, the Macedonian call breaking open. 
So we have our first point this morning is simply this. Believe God will call you. Believe in the hand of God who leads and directs in our daily lives and even opens up opportunities for us that we can rightly call a calling from God. His direction in our lives. First, you'll notice in our passage that the Holy Spirit does not allow ministry in Bithynia, as we've been saying. Look at verses 6, 7, and 8. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Messiah, again, you can remember where it was on the map, it says they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. And so passing by Messiah, Messiah, they went down uh, to Troas. So they're heading down towards a more coastal city. But you'll notice here that it is the Holy Spirit forbidding them in verse 6. In verse 7, it's same reference, but it even heightens it a little bit. It is the Spirit of Jesus. That the Lord Jesus is using the third person of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit, who is God himself, who leads and directs us. Jesus is using the Holy Spirit as well to, to direct them to say, you are not to go and do ministry here. And you can imagine how frustrating this is for Paul. Paul has this willing heart. Paul desires to share the gospel. There are lost people in those regions. And the Lord in his plan and his purpose and in his providence is is directing and saying to them, no, we're, we're not told how they were forbidden. Maybe it was circumstances. Maybe it was a direct revelation, a speaking from God. But we are told they were forbidden. And however it happened, it was very clear to them that God was closing this door. That God was saying, this is not where I want you to go. God clearly had other plans. Let me say just briefly in your own life, do not be discouraged when God closes doors of opportunities. I know that it can be discouraging. I know, I'm sure many of us have all been in various situations where we want to go a certain direction. We want to maybe move somewhere. We want a specific job. We want to to do something. Our heart is in the right place. We've dedicated it to the Lord. We are praying about it. We have done, humanly speaking, we have done all the right and godly things in taking this path. and, And God just shuts it down. We think there's an opportunity to walk through a door, so to speak, and God closes it and and does something in our lives to block our way. It can be difficult, but trust that God knows what he's doing. God knows what is best for you, and he has a plan in all of his leading and directing. Not just in the leading and directing that we like, Not just in the leading and directing where we can see where God is leading and directing, but in all of his plans, in all of his ways, in all of his directing. Paul then receives a vision to go into Macedonia. Look at verse 9 through 12. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail for 
for Troas. He made a direct voyage to Samothrace and following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which was a leading city, uh, a leading city of the district of Macedonia, a Roman colony. And we remained in this city for many days. I've often wondered in, in my own mind, you know, what what did this look like? Uh, a man from from Macedonia uh, somewhere in the back of my head, I've always envisioned it like Paul is seeing the ocean and and he sees a cross and sees a guy from Macedonia. But we we just don't know what it looked like. But obviously, Paul knew what God was telling them. It says there, concluding that God had called us to preach to them. You can put yourself in the shoes of Paul here and, and just imagine the emotion of this moment. Imagine finally seeing this is where God wants me to go. I, I understand now why he had been closing that door and closing that opportunity and forbidding me to preach the gospel in these other places. And then you can imagine Paul feeling the burden of, of ministry as in this vision. The man from Macedonia has said, come and help us. And, and realizing the weight of there are lost people over there that need the gospel. There are people that God is preparing even now to hear the word. That is true in Paul's day. That is true for us. That God has called in some way each one of us to be people who who take the gospel to various places. I want to ask the question and try to answer it briefly. How does God call today? God does not typically direct, even in the scriptures, through visions and dreams. We're not to to run around in our daily Christian lives and and expect uh, dreams from the Lord for for every decision that we have to make. So how does God call? How does God lead and, and direct? First, the scriptures often speak of God's call as something that he does in us internally through the Holy Spirit so that we might receive salvation. If each one of you here today that is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a believer because God has called you. That's the first way Scripture speaks about God's call. And, And we need to put that as the backdrop for all of God's leading and guiding. God called you, most importantly, to salvation. 1 Corinthians 1.9 God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Christ Jesus as Lord. Romans 8.30 And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified, He also glorified. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you, walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. So if you're here today and you're, you are a believer in the Lord, but you're saying, you know, I don't, I don't think God has ever called me. I, I just don't know where he's been directing me in my life. God called you to salvation and, and give him praise for that. You and I were wandering in darkness. We were like this Macedonian man uh, being unsaved needing the grace of God, needing to hear the gospel. And God called you to salvation. Someone came along and they shared the word of God. Someone was faithful in leading you to the Lord and inviting you to believe. Maybe a Sunday school teacher. Maybe someone handed you a tract. Maybe a co-worker talked to you. Maybe you, you came to church. But that was the hand of God. And even in all of the circumstances that led up to that, 
God orchestrated that. Just as God calls Paul over to Macedonia so Lydia can get saved, God used and directed someone in your life so that they would share the gospel so that you could be called to salvation. You heard the Word of God and the Holy Spirit worked in your heart internally. That's the the first aspect, the, the big picture of the call, if you will. Second, in our daily lives, we're called to holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. 2 Timothy 1, 9. God who saved us and called us to a holy calling. He gave us uh, in Christ Jesus before the ages began. There are so many areas of your life that you do not have to sit and wonder in darkness, what is God's will for my life? The first area of God's will for your life is, are you walking in obedience to God's commands? There is so much in Scripture that is clear about what holiness looks like, what godliness entails, the the fruit of the Spirit, sexual purity, all of these things. This is God's calling in your life. So often in our, our daily lives, we, we focus in on the, the very narrow aspect and say, what is God's will for me? Should I go to job A? Should I go to job B? And we, we spend time in prayer rightly and we spend time in wondering. And, and sometimes we feel like maybe we're just guessing when we pick that job and we say, well, I hope this is where God is leading. But there is so much else that God is, is explicitly clear. You have moral responsibilities. And, and sometimes we focus in on, on the narrow, where does God want my kids to go to school? Where does God want me to work? Where does God want me to live? And, and believe me, those are all important. But sometimes we, we, we're like a zoom lens and we, we so focus in on that. We, we miss all of the other aspects of how God wants us to live. There, there is a sense where, where it doesn't matter if you take job A or job B if you are walking in the Lord and being a godly example in either job. I'm not trying to say that God doesn't care about the decisions that, that you make. What I am saying is look at the bigger picture. God has called each one of us to holiness. Then as we, we narrow this down even more, there is this aspect of God's call in our life that he has each one of us. He has given gifts and abilities uh, to use and he delights in, in plugging us in in those places. And he calls us in certain seasons of our life into certain places where you are in your our life. When God calls us is the place where God can use you. God can use you wherever you are. And he even tells the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians, wherever you were when God saved you, God can use you there. God has assigned you. It says in 1 Corinthians 7.17, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him, to which God has called him. This is my rule in all my churches. God assigns us our life and has called us to tasks that he has placed before us. How does this work its way out? Well, in the church at Corinth, Paul says to them, you know what? If you were a slave when you were called, stay there. 
Because you can be an example. You can maybe lead others to the Lord. If you were a free person when you were, you were called and saved, maybe a business owner in, the church, in Corinth, Paul, Paul says, you know what? Stay there. God can use you. God called you to salvation and maybe He wants you to go right back into that job and, and, and evangelize people and witness people. You can look at your life and say, what talents has God given me? Where has He directed me in my life? If God has made you a police officer, if God has made you a lawyer, if God has made you a, a handyman, God has put that in your life and that is part and parcel of your calling the area that God has assigned you to. How do I discern God's call? I put it down on a slide, just some practical tips for discerning the call of God. Where is He leading me? Maybe you have a a decision to make in your life. Maybe you're considering taking a new job, and so you're starting to ask these questions. Is God calling me to this? Is this what God wants me to do? Is this the steps that I should take? How do I know? How can I discern these things? First, uh, pray and read the Bible. You need to spend time in God's Word. Just be in fellowship with God. Be close to Him in, in your relationship. Uh, don't, don't be like that, that child uh, that, that never calls home to their parents and then they have the big decision to make and, and they want the parent to pay for college and so then they call home and say, Hey, Mom, Dad, could you, could you send the check? Uh, be the child that's in regular communication. Be in regular prayer, regular talking to the Lord, praying to Him, praising His name. Second, look at who you are and where you are. Sometimes God's call is, is not to go uh, overseas to the missionary or go to our own Macedonia. Sometimes God's call is to say, I can use you in various ways right where you are. Be faithful where you are first. The Scriptures say the one who is faithful with very little is is also faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. Sometimes what happens is, is you think to be worthwhile to God, you have to do something big. You have to be the pastor. God calls pastors. You have to be the missionary who goes to Africa and, and, and be the missionary who eats bugs and goes without electricity because that's a real calling from God. That's where the, the real tough men and women go for the kingdom of God. But we can lose sight of first the calling of God is to be faithful. Maybe he will lead you to Africa. Maybe he will lead you to eat bugs. I, I don't want to shut that down if that's where God is leading and directing. But the, the way to discern that is to be faithful where you are now. When I was a kid, uh, a teenager, we used to have uh, fellow teens that would raise money to go on missions trips. And, and invariably what would happen, this is when we lived out on Guam, every now and then someone would want to raise money to go on a missions trip because they really just wanted to travel. And they had never done anything in, in youth group and never helped out in any way, never led in prayer or led a Bible study or, or even shared the gospel with a friend. And then they would come and they would say, I want to go on a missions trip because I heard they're a lot of fun. Can you give me money for the missions trip? Now, maybe God was leading and directing, but chances are if the person wasn't being faithful with the gifts that they had where they were first, it wasn't 
most likely God leading and directing them to go and do that. Look at where you are first. Ask for wisdom. Seek advice. Sometimes your friends and fellow brothers and sisters in Christ know you better than you know yourself. You feel like you should be a missionary and you ask a friend and they say, you know, you're probably not cut out for Africa, but I know a place where your gifts would work uh, wonderfully. Look for open doors. God does lead and direct through open doors. Sometimes you just have to, you know, the, you know how it's easier to steer a car that is, that is moving? Sometimes you just have to, to take some steps and say, I think this is where God's directing. And, and then look and see and say, if he allows us to continue to go forward, maybe this really is God opening a door. Opening a door is, is just a way of describing God providing the opportunity. You can ask yourself, what burdens or godly passions has God given you? Oftentimes, the way to know your calling is to say, what has God gifted me in? Where am I most passionate? Maybe you're most passionate about teaching children. Maybe you're most passionate about playing music. I like to sing, but I'm, I'm not passionate about music. I, you would not want me up here on a Sunday trying to play the guitar. God hasn't called me to that. In the same way, maybe God hasn't called you to be a preacher, but that doesn't mean God hasn't called you. That doesn't mean there isn't someone you can share the gospel with or some gift that he hasn't given you to use. Trust the providence of God's hand. Let me just give you some examples. My dad was called into to ministry. But for my dad, uh, he became a missionary when I, was, when I was 13 or 14. My dad had been a carpenter for 18 years. And God directed him on a path over time. It started out even before I was born. He was the church bus driver. He went around and picked up the kids. And out of being faithful in there over time, he became the children's church teacher. I remember my dad, uh, I remember being little and my dad being the guy, he would, he would hold up the signs with the, the songs that we would sing in children's church. And then he would teach the lesson. And out of that, he became an elder and the chairman of the missions committee. And out of that, the Lord challenged him to, to be a missionary. And out of that, he went to the mission field to be a carpenter because he said, that's where my gifts are. And when he got to the mission field, God closed the door for the building project that he had. And God allowed him to do stuff with radio and radio Bible classes. And out of that, God led my dad to become ordained and be a church planter. If you had talked to my dad 35 years ago, uh, wait, I'm 36. So if you had talked to him 40 years ago when he graduated from, from, yeah, I'm messing up the math, but over 40 years ago when he graduated from high school and said to my dad, you're going to be a preacher and a pastor. My dad, and, and he would tell you this, he, he, he would say, I, I got through high school by the skin of my teeth. He was never a reader, not a very good student. But God led him on this journey. God led him on this journey. I can, myself in my own life, identify with God closing doors and going, what is happening? Where is God leading? And then God opening one that we could come here and just being so excited. If you talk to, to Matt and Amy, and I don't want to spoil all their, their story, but I asked if I could use them as an example today. God led them through a number of closed doors before they ended up landing here. Uh, three or four years ago, God was leading them to plant a church. And, and it looked like that's where God was heading. And then he closed that door. And out of that, God led them into another church that was going to help them relaunch a church in the area where they originally wanted to plant a church. And they got involved with that church and were expecting that maybe Matt would even become uh, the local pastor there. And God closed that door. 
And now at this stage in their life, God is, is just a year or two later leading them down here and providing a job at Christian School of York. I don't want to say that we're their Macedonian call. I don't want to like puff ourselves up. But it is the plan and the leading of God. And we should look for those things in our life and rejoice when that happens in other Christians and believers. Now, the second point, maybe the more difficult point, trusting God when he leads and calls. Second, this morning, when God calls you, trust that he will work. So God is the one who brings opportunities for us. Look at verses 13 and 14, how on the Sabbath day, it says we went outside to the gate to the riverside. We went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Chances are there wasn't a synagogue, excuse me, there wasn't a synagogue in Philippi. A synagogue, you needed ten men uh, to form a synagogue. And so this going outside the gate uh, and meeting with women to pray probably indicates there wasn't a synagogue. Paul's typical missionary practice was go and find people who knew the Old Testament. Go to the synagogue. We find people that are praying, people that are praying to the God of Israel. And the Lord uses this evangelism. He pricks Lydia's heart, if as it were. He opens it up so that she pays attention. And then Lydia makes a profession of faith in verse in verse 15. After she was baptized in her household Uh, As well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon them. So she is baptized as a believer. Her household uh, becomes believers, makes professions of faith, and they are baptized as well. And, And Lydia is a woman of some means here. To be a seller of purple goods is purple uh, things were very expensive. They were a little more of luxury items, a little more high end. Uh, It'd be like in our day saying, you know, she was a seller of, of BMWs. She had a little bit of means behind her. She says, come and and stay with me. Come and, and I'll use the gifts that the Lord has given me to take care of you. I don't know. It says that she prevailed upon us. I don't know how much convincing and twisting of arms she had to do. If I if I would have been in Paul's shoes, I'd be like, all right, a hot meal, a roof over my head. Uh, You don't have to offer to feed me very much. And I am there. But she she then used her gifts. God had called her to salvation and God took care of Paul and Silas by using her and her calling to minister to them. The ministry bears fruit. This is what I mean when I say we can trust the Lord. Trust the Lord when He leads and guides that He will bear fruit in our lives. The fruit might not be always what we expect or the way that we expect it, but God will bear fruit. Sometimes God's bearing of fruit is He keeps the hardship going on, but He changes our character. Sometimes God's bearing of fruit is he removes the hardship and he brings us to that season where things are good and smooth and we are able to pour praises back to the Lord. But God bears the fruit. 
Because God calls. And where God calls, God works it out. Third, this morning, and this goes along with our theme of trusting God when He calls, when God calls you, do not let opposition to the work discourage you. We often assume in our lives that if God is calling us to something, the path will be smooth. And so then we often assume when the path is smooth, that must be what God has called us to. And when the path is rough or bumpy or difficult, that must not be God's call. And I tell you, when we look at Scripture, God often works exactly the opposite. It is often when the path is difficult so that we might trust Him. That is where God has called us to. There was a book written a few years ago by some young men. I think they were teenagers at the time. And it was called Do Hard Things. It was a challenge to young generation of Christians to say, don't always take the easy way out. Don't always go for the path of least resistance. Go where God has called you. And maybe he's called you into some things that from going in look very difficult or hard. Do hard things. Notice then, as they were walking around the city, even from the first time they went to this place of prayer, they've been followed by this demon-possessed girl. A demon-possessed girl follows Paul and Silas. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who are proclaiming the way of salvation. I imagine that this got annoying. You're walking down the street. You're trying to meet some people. Paul was probably making tents and trying to interact with people in the market. And, and, you know, they're turning the corner. And here, third day in a row, is this girl saying, These guys are serving the Most High God. They have the way of salvation. And, And I would imagine even, just knowing how people work and how crowds work, you know, if you were coming around and you were hearing this person that you know has a demon and, and is almost acting crazy, yelling these things, you would kind of, there's Paul over there, and you say, I think I'll just go the other way. You know, have you ever tried to share the gospel with someone and all of a sudden the conversation becomes awkward? Imagine how awkward it is trying to share the gospel with someone and there's a lady over there, a girl over there, screaming that you're trying to give them the way of salvation. And so Paul finally, just becoming frustrated and annoyed, casts out the demon. Look at verse 18. And this she kept doing for many days, having become greatly annoyed and turned and said to the spirit, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus or in the name of Jesus, I come out of her. And and it came out that very hour. That's a way of uh, saying it came out that moment. It's not meaning like, okay, the clock started ticking and somewhere within the next hour, maybe, maybe, okay, it's it's finally came out 45 minutes later. And it just means at that time it came out. Notice that Paul doesn't do this of his own power. It's the name of Jesus. But then notice what happens. Do the people like this? No. This hits their wallet. The guys that owned this girl, the guys that were using them for money, they've suddenly lost their means of income. It's, it's a lesson, I think, even to us in our day. When we are standing up for the truth, people that profit off of sin are not going to like someone proclaiming the gospel and calling people to repentance. 
And so they're taken before the magistrates. Verse 20. These men are Jews. They're disturbing the city. They're advocating customs which are not lawful to us as Romans to accept and practice. So the crowds are attacking them. Verse 22. The magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. They inflict blows upon them. They throw them in prison and order the jailer to keep them safely. Safely, They lock them up in the stockade, in the very center of the prison. And maybe you're thinking, man, wouldn't it have been easier to go to Bithynia? But God had led them to Macedonia. God had led them to Philippi for this very purpose. We do need to remember Philippi is a Roman colony. They were very loyal to Rome. And you can imagine some of the resistance of hearing Paul say that Jesus is Lord because Lord would have been a title that they would have used for Caesar. Caesar was often called God and Savior or the Son of God. And so you can imagine the hostility to the preaching of the gospel. And then they lose their form of income. And you can imagine how easily it was for these owners to stir up the crowd. What do we learn from this? What do we say about this? Some applications here. First, don't be surprised if God's call includes suffering and hardship. Don't be surprised if it includes difficulty. Philippians 1.29, For it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Don't be surprised when it happens and, and take it even a step farther. God's call may actually include some suffering. First Peter chapter 2, verses 20 and 21. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is the gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his footsteps. Paul and Silas did a good thing. You can imagine how much that young girl is tormented by that demon. It was a compassionate and merciful thing. They did good and they were beaten for it. And they were thrown in prison for it. And that was part of God's call. You might do good at your job. You might take a stand against something immoral that someone wants to do. And you suffer for it. In the coming years in America, we might get thrown in jail for preaching on basic issues of sexual morality and sexual immorality. We might get thrown in jail for having basic compassion And trying to steer women away from getting abortions. But that may be part of God's call. You may lose a job because you stood up for the Lord. Not in an arrogant standing up sort of way. But just in a gentle, compassionate way you said, I can't do that. That's wrong. That might be God's call. Third, suffering may actually be an indication of an open door. And it doesn't mean the door is closed. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says this. Paul writes, for a, door, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many 
adversaries. You, you read that and you want to pause at the comment in this comma where it says, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And you, you want to think, all right, what does an open door look like? How many people were coming to the Lord? How, how smooth was the preaching? How easy was it going on? And Paul says, and there are many adversaries. Wait, doesn't that mean the door is closed? No. God may walk you in your life into difficult situations, and that is precisely the indicator that the door is open. Even like in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Sometimes God does walk us down those dark paths. Fourth, remember this. Suffering is not in vain. Paul says, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may attain the salvation that, Jesus, that is in Jesus Christ with eternal glory. Paul says, I am bound, I am suffering, but the word of God is not bound. You might take a stand, you might tell someone something is wrong, you might just politely say, I can't do that. And that might lead to some suffering. But that might lead someone to look at you and say, there's something different about you. You may be hanging out with a bunch of buddies and they start telling crude jokes and you politely excuse yourself and they start teasing you and laughing at you. But you know that you're called to holiness. But someone might notice that and say, you know what? There really is a difference about his Christian faith. And it may just be something that God uses to bring someone to the Lord. So I ask you two questions this morning. Where is God calling you? In other words, what tasks has he placed before you? What opportunities has he given you? And then second, how am I responding to the call? Meaning, am I pursuing the Lord? Am I living out that call? Am I using the gifts? Am I walking in godliness? Because that's part of the call. How has God called you? And how are you responding? Let's close in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you today and ask that you would direct us from your word, that you would lead us, that you would show us where you are guiding us. We thank you for how you have just guided us as a church body over the last few years and have led and directed people to join uh, here with us and help us to be on, on um, the same team together for, for the seeking uh, to save the lost, to reach out with the gospel, because we know that you have people that you have called to salvation just as you have called us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Uh, the worship team is going to come this morning and we're going to close uh, with a final song.